بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹڈے از دا تھرٹینتھ آف آگسٹ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی going through up to and including verse 6. So, before even starting the surat, Imam Sayyuti Rahmatullah, he explains in his work, Asrar Tartib Al-Quran, the secrets within the order of the Quran. Page 165 of the English translation, he stated, I say, The connection between Surah Al-Mu'minun, i.e. Surah 23, and Surah Al-Hajj, the previous Surah. He, subhanahu wa ta'ala, stated at the end of Surah Al-Hajj, i.e. in verse 77. So in Surah 22, verse 77, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, And do good, so you may be successful. وَفْعَلُوا الْخَيْرَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ And this is extremely gentle. But in Surah Al-Mu'minun, as it begins, it defines what these good deeds are referring to and by which doing them, one will gain the success alluded to at the end of Surah Al-Hajj. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Successful indeed are the believers. They are during their salah humbly submissive. So here Imam Siyuti simply put, he said, what's the link between this surah and the previous surah? In surah Al-Hajj, i.e. Uh, verse 77, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, do good that you may prosper. But he doesn't give you details. But right at the beginning of this surah, Allah ta'ala says, the believers are successful. And then he mentions the various deeds, which we'll get to. So he goes, this is the link between these blessed surahs. So verse 1, Indeed, the successful will be the believers. So there's a report. So this hadith is in Nasai, number 3184, Ghadid, Imam Ahmad in his Muslim, number 223, Mishqat, Volume 3, page 814, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir and Marifal Quran. And the report mentions that Umar radiyallahu, he relates, whenever a revelation was being revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, those near him used to hear a sound like the buzzing of bees. One day when they heard such a sound, They all waited, hoping to learn about the revelation. When Rasulullah returned to his normal state after receiving revelation, he sat down facing the Kaaba and he made the following dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma zidna wa la tanqusna. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give us more and do not decrease. وَأَقْرِمْنَا وَلَا تُهِنَّا Grant us respect and do not put us to humiliation. 
Give us and do not deprive us and give us preference are you over our enemies. Do not give preference are you to our enemies against us. And be pleased with us and make us pleased. Amen. Then the Prophet said to his companions, Just now, ten verses have been revealed to me. And anyone who follows them in letter and spirit will go to paradise. He then recited the first ten verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun. So let's look at this. So recorded in Tirmidhi, Imam Ahmad in his Muslim. So the first thing Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar said radiyallahu is that when Rasulullah received the revelation sallallahu alayhi wa they could hear the buzzing sound around him. So this is something supernatural obviously. And then because we were hoping now that something was going to be revealed and it was. And what was interesting the Prophet before mentioning what was revealed to him he made five du'as. And the five du'as he made, give us, oh my Lord, give us more, do not decrease, grant us respect, do not put us to humiliation, give us, do not deprive us, give us preference, do not give preference against us, and be pleased with us and make us pleased. So he was begging for the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he explained, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just now ten verses have been revealed, and it was the first ten verses of this surah. And then he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whoever follows these ten verses, gets them into his life, he will enter paradise. So this is the blueprint, i.e. to paradise. So this is the first report. The second, the hadith is in Nasai, Behaki, Al-Bidayah, Bukhari's Al-Adab Al-Mufrad, number 308. It has a weakness in the chain of transmission. Ayatul Sahaba, volume 2, page 582 of the Old English translation. Yazid ibn Bablus, rahmatullah he relates that he once questioned Sayyida Aisha, radiyallahu about the character and the behavior of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To which she replied, it was according to what has been revealed in the Quran. Then she recited the first 10 verses and said, these verses describe his behavior. So look how beautiful. When Atabin asked our beloved mother, what was the character of Rasulullah? What was his habits? She said it was the Quran. But she specifically recited these first 10 verses. Because these verses describe his behavior. So combine the reports. In the previous report, the Prophet said, if you get these 10 verses into your life, you'll go to paradise. But note, he always set the standard. <laughs> As an Aisha goes, he was living this. So these 10 verses have a very special place. Are you looking at these, these blessed reports? And also there's a report. So this is recorded. So this is recorded in... Bazaar in his Musnad, Kashf al-Astar 4-195 and Ibn Abidunya in his Kitab al-Sifat al-Jannah and Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Machr al-Rabi fi Thawab al-Amal al-Salih the reward for good deeds number 2075 Anas r.a. he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he created the garden of Eden Jannah to Adn with his hand one brick made of white pearl, one brick made of ruby, one brick made of green chrysolite. Its mortar is musk, its grass is saffron, 
Its pebbles are pearls and its soil is amber. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to paradise, speak. And paradise recited the first verse. The believers are certainly successful. Allah the Almighty and Glorious then said, I take an oath by my majesty. No miserly person will come near me with regard to you. Rasulullah then recited the following verse, Surah 59 verse 9. He who has been saved from the shuh, the avarice of his own self, it is such who have achieved their goal. So let's look at this very briefly. So in this report in Bazaar and Ibn Abi Dunya, the Prophet is discussing how paradise was created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the first thing he mentioned was it was created with the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning it was a special creation. Then he mentioned certain uh, elements that were used. One brick was made of white pearl, another ruby, another uh, green chrysolite. The mortar, the cement for want of a better word, was musk. The grass is saffron, pebbles are pearls, soil is amber. So everything about paradise is priceless. Then he gave it the ability to speak. He goes, speak. And paradise said, look how beautiful, he recited the verse. Successful of the believers. Then Allah the Almighty swore an oath that no miserly person will come near this place. And then Rasulullah recited the following verse, Surah 59 verse 9. He who has been saved from the shuh, that's the avarice, the incessant desire to take something else, somebody that belongs to somebody else, the incessant desire to acquire something of somebody else, it is such who have achieved their goal. And of course that verse was revealed about the Ansar. So note again, the commentary of this verse given by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there's another report. So this is recorded uh, in Behaki, Qurtubi in Istadkhira Tabarani, Bazar Targheeb, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, Sahih Hadith. And Tabarani. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, When Allah the Almighty and Glorious created the paradise of Eden, He created therein what no eye has seen, no ear has heard and no mind has imagined. Then he said, speak, and he recited the same verse. So no, there's no contradiction. The Prophet's adding details. And then in another report in Behaki and Tabarari and Bazaar, the angels then responded, beautified be you, O the dwelling of kings. So look how beautiful. Paradise was created. Allah gave it the ability to speak. It was successful of the believers. Then the angels said, Beautified be you, or the dwelling of kings. So the angels also gave praise. Are you for this beautiful creation of Almighty Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? So the first verse: the believers are successful. Verse two: those who in their salah are khashi'un. Those who in their salah are khashi'un. So what does this mean? In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Ibn Abbas he said, Khashi'un means those who fear and have tranquility. Khashi'un means those who have fear and have tranquility. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, in their salah they are khashi. It means you fear your Lord and you are, you are humble. 
then the Salat has an immense impact, the Quran is indicating. Also, there's other reports. So this narration is recorded in Tabulani. And the report mentions, uh, Ibn Sidin records on the authority of Abu Hurairah, who said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he would look left and right in Salah, upon which Allah the Almighty revealed the first two verses. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ It is the believers who are successful, those who are humble in their Salah. Those Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa humbled himself and would no longer look to his left or right. <coughs> then Ibn al-Rajib said, Others have recorded this from Ibn Sirin. May Allah have mercy upon him as a mursal report. And this is more authentic. In Abu Dawood, it is Marasil, page 8. So according to the authenticity, it's more authentic mursal. But it has a complete chain going back to the Prophet as well. So what does it mention? Rasulullah would look to his right and left in Salah. Now this doesn't mean he wasn't concentrating. It just probably indicates he was looking to observe others. But Allah Ta'ala then revealed this verse, these two verses. Upon this, the Prophet stopped that. So note how instantly the Prophet would uh, act upon the glorious verses of the Quran. And also, it mentions. So this is recorded in Hakim in his Mustadrak from Abu Hurairah. When Rasulullah was offering Salat, he used to raise his sight to the heaven. Upon this, Allah Ta'ala revealed these verses. So again, no contradiction. Previous report, he looked to his right and left. Sometimes he looked to the heaven. Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. At this, he lowered his sight to the ground while praying. Sayyid ibn Mansur relates him. And ibn Abi Hatim from ibn Sirin, Rahmatullah who said, The companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to raise their faces to the heaven whilst offering salah. Upon this, Allah Ta'ala revealed these verses. So according to another report, the Sahaba would look into the heavens. And I think the reason being asking, begging Allah for help and their needs being fulfilled. But this wasn't appropriate in Salat. So Allah revealed these verses. And in fact, later, the Prophet he said that aren't you afraid that if you look into the heavens in Salat, you'll become blind. So obviously this should be avoided at all costs. So note again, Allah is mentioning that Salah has the impact if you are humble, you are khashi within it, you are submissive. And what's interesting is Allah the Almighty and Glorious mentions a verse in Surah Baqarah. Those who are in their Salat are khashi. Now what's the disaster? The disaster is the Prophet he said, the first thing to be lost from this Ummah is khushu. Khushu in Salah. So even though it's critical for Salat to benefit you, it's lost very quickly. If you lose that quality, that component in Salat, it will not give you the benefit which Allah Ta'ala is promising. So now you have to pray to Allah Ta'ala that He gives you this. And also there's another report in Ibn al-Mubarak in his Zuhd, number 1148, or page 403. Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali was asked about verse 2. Those who offer their Salat with khushu. What does that mean? Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali Allahu he said, Al-Khushu is in the heart, in yielding your sight for the Muslim and not looking around in your salah. So Hazrat Ali said, it's three things. It's the heart being present. It's not 
is being soft with the brother next to you, meaning you don't make it awkward for him to pray. You have soft shoulders and you don't look around in your salat because that is khushu. And if you have that, Allah Ta'ala will bless you in your eye, in your salat. So, Alladheena hum fi salatihim khashi'oon. Those who are humble in their salat. So, note again, how many of us are truly offering salat correct? So, we should ask Allah the Almighty and Glorious that He gives us this beautiful uh, quality within salat. Amen. Verse 3. Who avoid laghu, i.e. useless speech. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنِ اللَّغْوِ مُعْرِدُونَ So this is another quality of the people of paradise. That they don't, you know, like waste their words. They try to always speak productively and beneficially. They avoid love. And also there's a verse which I mentioned in Surah Furqan, I believe, where Allah Ta'ala says that the noble ones avoid futile speech. So Allah Ta'ala calls them, you know, noble, that who have this quality. They just avoid the futile speech. Verse 4. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِلزَّقَاتِ فَاعِلُونَ Those who give their zakat, i.e. with pleasure. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِلزَّقَاتِ فَاعِلُونَ So note these qualities. Like I mentioned, these 10 verses were the blueprint of taking you into paradise. So now what's interesting, Allah mentioned salat first. He mentioned zakat the third. In between the Salat and Zakat, he mentions avoiding futile speech. So that in itself again shows how important it is to control the tongue. If somebody goes, where in Islam, how important is it in Islam to control your tongue? You say, look at the first four verses of Surah Mu'minu. So he quickly looks, he goes, okay, the believers are successful. MashaAllah, next verse. Those who are humble in their prayer. MashaAllah, next verse. Those who avoid Useless speech. Next verse. Those who give zakat. So why didn't Allah the Almighty and Glorious mention salat and zakat? He put in between. They avoid useless speech. So this shows how important it is. And of course, the Quran is the answer. The Prophet gave you the details. Verse 5. Those who strictly guard their private parts. So here it mentions in Hakim in his Mustadrak Ad-Dur al-Mantur al-Isab our beloved mother Aisha was asked is Mut'a lawful? Is temporary marriage lawful? She replied the verdict of the Quran is final and she recited verse 5 and 6 of Surah Mu'minu who strictly guard their private parts except with those who they have joined in marriage or whom their right hand possess. In this case, they are free from blame. So let's look at this. So in this authentic report in Hakim, our mother was asked about temporary marriage. Temporary marriage was something that was allowed in the early period of Islam. But then it was abrogated. So Aisha Radiyallahu said, the Quran is fine. Meaning, you don't need to look further than the Quran. Allah says, who got their private parts, and he makes two exceptions. One is your wives, and the other is what your right hand possesses i.e. that fall into your possession through jihad, warfare, etc. He goes, they are the only two categories. There's no mention of a temporary marriage. So he goes, therefore, it is clearly prohibited in the Quran. And also in Tirmidhi and Mishkat, volume 2, page 687, Abdullah ibn Abbas said, Verily, the temporary marriage, mut'a marriage, was in the beginning of Islam. 
a man used to go to a city wherein he had no acquaintance. Hence, he used to marry a woman for a time which he considered good for his stay. She used to protect his goods for him and cook his food till this verse was revealed. I verse 6. Except those whom you have married and whom your right hand possesses, in that case you are free from blame. Then every private part except those became haram. So this is a very important report. Because Abdullah ibn Abbas was the one who allowed it. He was a wall of the Sahab who he allowed temporary marriage. But right at the end of his blessed life, he said no. And here he explained. He goes, this was something that was a necessity. But then Allah Ta'ala abrogated it. And then he recited the same verse which Amudah recited Aisha radiallahu. And also just to add this. So there's a report in Abu Dawood Tirmidhi Ibn Majah Mishkat volume 2, page 678. Bahaz Ibn Hakim relates that Rasulullah said sallallahu alayhi wa Protect your private parts except from your wife or what your right hand possesses. I asked the Sahaba said Bahaz radiyallahu Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Inform me in case of a man who is alone. He sallallahu alayhi wa said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is then more to be ashamed of. So, let's look at this. So, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa just explained the verse. He goes, guard your private parts except from your wife and what your right hand possesses. So, a sahaba very um, eloquently asked, what if you're by yourself? Now, what he meant by that was, is that you fulfill your desires, you self-stimulate. But he said it in a very eloquent manner. And the Prophet وسلم, said, Allah Ta'ala is more to be ashamed. In other words, and this is the most authentic report with regards to this issue. A lot of the reports with regards to this are fabricated. But there is a report and I'll finish with this. So this report mentions Imam Ghazali in his Ihya in the Secrets of Manage, page 21. A man once informed Abdullah ibn Abbas that he self-stimulated Ibn Abbas turned his face away from him and said, Alas, it is better to marry a slave girl than it, but it is better than fornication. So a man approached Abdullah ibn Abbas and he said, Is this a crime basically? If I self-stimulate. And Ibn Abbas turned away from meaning it was a shameful question. But then he said, If you marry a slave girl, that's better. But then he said, But what you are doing, even though it's a, it's a sin, it's better than zina. So we don't equate it with zina. But however, it is of course something unlawful, which is mentioned. And sorry, just to add, in Imam Ahmad in his Mustad Tarheeb, volume 3, page 141, Rasulullah said, I fear that you will be misled by following the sinful desires of your stomachs and private parts, and that you will be deviated by the lusts of your carnal self. So the Prophet said, there's three things I fear that will cause you to deviate. Your stomachs, i.e., you know, just eating and drinking, making money as they say. Your private parts and your your lusts of your carnal self. And note again, isn't that true? You know, the whole West is obsessed with these things, right? So again, again, note, Islam doesn't say it is forbidden right, to fulfill your, 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 your needs. But as long as it's in a lawful manner, 
Then Allah Ta'ala actually rewards you. The very famous report the Prophet said, if you go to your wife to fulfill your needs, this is sadaqah. So our companion asked, Ya Rasulullah, something we enjoy so much. You get the reward of sadaqah. And then the Prophet said his beautiful line, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if you go to the haram, wouldn't you be sinful? He goes, yes, because you're turning to the halal. So Lord, how is that sadaqah? Imagine, you know, you fulfill your de- your wife fulfills her, you fulfill your needs with each other. You've both given sadaqah. Allah Ta'ala is that gentle. You know, that shows that he's not, he wants you to enjoy what is lawful. And note again, whatever is unlawful is detrimental to you, whether you understand it or not. In Surah Isra, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْرَبُ zina." Do not even approach or go near zina. It is a sad end. And when a person goes on that path of zina, isn't it true that at the end he grieves? Allah Ta'ala says it's a sad journey's end. No, the Quran doesn't say don't commit zina. The Quran says don't approach it. So Allah Ta'ala is hinting to something that he's saying that any avenue that takes you towards it, don't even go near that because the dominoes will fall. Subhanallah. So I'll decide the verses. And we will come. Father Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Qada aflahal mu'minun. Alladheena hum fi salatihim khashi'oon. Walladheena hum anillahwi mu'ridoon. Walladheena hum lizzakati fa'iloon. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُلُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ أَوْ مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُ مَلُومِينَ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any errors which I may have inadvertently uttered. Subhanallah bihamdi subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika ashtulahi ilahi illa anta astaghfirika atubu ilayka wa bilahi wa shukani subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati wa maizikun wa salamu ala mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbilah alameen bismillahi rabbil alameen wal asfiq in nisan lafiyu khusr al-ladhina amunu wa amalu s-salihat wal wasbi al-haq wal wasbi al-sabr sadaqallahu al-azim